All right. I got to check something. I got to make sure my sound is working. I got a new microphone, so I'm not going to have to be messing with all the crap that I did before, but I need to make sure. Let's see here. That's not the one. Give me just a second. Give me just a second. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, sounds much better. Um, bested in a new mic, and uh, I am exhausted from my day. i tell you what. So, <clears throat> I injured myself training. Fathers, take note. If you have children, don't spend your time just on you. Bring them into um, a relationship, a deeper relationship with you. So like two weeks ago, I went skydiving with my kids, uh, my older boys that didn't cost very much. I know in this economy it can for some of you, but you older, middle-aged, more successful men, uh, you know, you, you have time, you can do this. And then through the week, I was training with my other older boys in Krav Maga and some uh, combat fighting where I think I got injured. And uh, today I was out with my beautiful wife and uh, her and then took my daughter out uh, on a motorcycle ride to see the Aspens here in Colorado and just went clear out down a canyon into the beauty of nature, hiked up on top of a, of this uh you know, like rock structure and just sat there and meditated on what's happening in the world and in my country. And, um, you know, obviously this weekend, all hell has broken loose all over the world. And, uh, let me get over to chat here. Give me a second here. Hey, what's going on? Oh, there's chat. Just in case anybody has any questions. Um, yeah, and so yesterday we wake up and Israel uh, is attacked by Hamas in a very brutal fashion. And uh, I'm watching the Twitterverse and social media and the media just exploding with their own narrative or propaganda. Um, Ukraine has been completely forgotten. Uh, nobody's even talking about that now. I bet Zelensky is crapping his pants right now because nobody cares about what's happening in Ukraine. And and the question is, is this a distraction that was supposed to happen? Is this a distraction? Uh, you know, everybody's so shocked. They call it the, the Israel's 9-11, which, <laughs> you know, so far they've only had 600 people murdered, which that's a lot. Don't get me wrong, but we had close to 5,000 die in horrible building collapse that many of us know nowadays uh, seem to be some kind of controlled demolition. And I always say, you know, when 9-11 happened, you remember the five dancing Israelis from the Mossad that, you know, made it look like they were cheering the falling of these buildings. So as I, I see people out there saying, this is Israel's 9-11, I'm like, well, I don't see any CIA dancing on rooftops you know, for a successful mission. But I do find it odd, you know, that Israel and the Mossad with all of their intelligence and all of their snitches and all of their cameras and all of their control uh, just totally missed the ball on this one, right? We, we are being manipulated socially. We're being manipulated in, in the media 
through the movies. Uh, you can't take at face value anything that these people say, whether they're politicians or the media. Uh, they're spinning a narrative, and there's a bigger picture here. Why did they allow this attack to happen at this point in time? Now, we could say one thing. Um, here, let's read this again. I read this often, but I want to remind myself in, in the book of Revelation, when the seals are broken, which the seals begin the process of the, the end of all things, the judgment of God upon the earth, the destruction of this world system, the fall of Satan to the earth. Now, there's many who would say this has already happened, but pay attention to what's happening in the world because there is an end that will come with a physical antichrist. This is what Father Seraphim Rose spoke about often, is he saw this antichrist system. He saw this deception coming with UFOs and that the man of perdition, the man of sin, that would come and bring peace, a type of peace to Israel, would come according to the book of Revelations, the breaking of the seals, the tribulation. And where the heck is it? Okay. All right. So they loose the seals. And if you go to Revelation chapter 5, it's really interesting. As, as John, the, the revelator, says in chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. Why would he, why would he weep? He was weeping because this was the beginning, this scroll, this opening, was the beginning of the coming of the kingdom of God in its fullness. This scroll was going to bring punishment upon the uh, angelic beings that have wrecked havoc in this dimension on this earth. This scroll was going to make all, all kingdoms the kingdoms of Christ. It was going to usher in this new age where there is no pain, no suffering, right? And so John wept because if the scroll couldn't be opened then everything was going to remain the way it was in, in darkness, men living and dwelling in hell, Hades, imprisoned by death, and the one who has the power of death, Satan. And so he wept because there was no one worthy to open it. And one of the elders said unto him, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And in this, and so when you go to chapter six, he says, 
And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, some people believe, and even some early church fathers believe, that that's the Christ, that's the gospel going forward. And I could see why they would say that. And I believe that Christ did go forward and conquer, that for a thousand years, Christianity conquered the known world through the church, not through the sword, but through the mis- the mystery, the revelation of Christ, the power of the gospel to free men from their fear of death, from sin, to be transformed, to transform entire cultures, um, like the Vikings, like the Germanic pagans, like the British pagans, and turn them into uh, Christian empires, basically, until the Great Schism. And so, but I believe that this, this seal is potentially the Antichrist. That the Antichrist is going to go out and to begin to conquer and God has given him that authority. And then, because these seals are the judgment of God being opened up upon the world. The Antichrist, as we spoke about last episode, is is people getting the government that they deserve. America has Joe Biden because America deserves Joe Biden. America has, you know, Megla, 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 Megalomaniac Trump, you know, the, the godless billionaire because America deserves him. And it doesn't matter what good things he's done for nationalism. In America, separated and severed from Christ in the gospel of Christ and the Christian heritage of the people that founded this nation and the principles of freedom and liberty that came from their understanding of the scripture, even though I do believe a lot of, of what America was, was Masonic. The Masons came to overthrow the crown, the mitre and the scepter, the church and state so they could establish their Masonic democracy and usher in exactly what we're, we're seeing right now. You know, why, why does everyone think democracy is such a great thing? It's given us castrated children and the church of Satan parading their blasphemies around all over the place and murder porn on TV and no fault divorce and the destruction of the nuclear biblical family given us pornography uh, that just ravages and destroys young men. No, democracy is Masonic. And they knew that if they could create a system that would allow them to manipulate the democratic process to put them in power, they could sow the seeds to destroy the foundations of Christianity throughout the earth and usher in their antichrist system, which is what they're doing. It's why they're castrating children. It's why they're promoting perverse sexual behaviors. 
because it's a mockery of God, right? So you who are watching, um, oh, let's finish here though. So here's here's the other seals. Check this out. And so after this Antichrist goes forward, the second seal is broken. And the beast say, come and see. And John looked and he said, there went out another horse that was red and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, right? Jesus said, did you know that we had six major earthquakes yesterday? That next weekend, we are going to have a complete solar eclipse. Like these things are getting closer and closer and closer. Afghanistan has been ravaged by an earthquake. And what did Jesus say? But but here, let's finish this. He said, the, the red horse power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And you know what comes after war? See, I think this is just getting warmed up, guys. There is going to be a global conflict. We are going to fall into greater and greater calamity because it is through these crises, you know, order out of chaos is these occultic Illuminati type Mason people uh, you know, that they believe they create the chaos, then they come in with a solution. And they're creating massive chaos right now. And part of that is for them to depopulate the earth. Part of that is uh, for them to fill their coffers. You know, I, I heard recently that uh, BlackRock got the contract to rebuild Ukraine. They're not even done destroying it yet. And and BlackRock's already sitting there with their greedy little blood-stained vulture hands, uh, ready to make millions and millions of dollars. See, why all these people, while, while the sons and daughters of Ukraine, while, while the sons and daughters of these Muslim nations and, and sons and daughters of Jews are destroying each other, those who are really causing these issues, these problems are sitting back laughing at you, America, laughing at you world, because you're so easily manipulated, so easily manipulated with your, your hatred, so easily manipulated with the left-right paradigm, fascist, communist two sides of the same coin garbage and they just wind you all up till you start killing each other so I think we're going to find a lot of things war if we're still at this stage when, when Russia started fighting with Ukraine I knew that more was coming and more is coming because God said the world is going to be shook and here's something else I've been arguing with them. I haven't been arguing with people on Twitter. I've actually been out riding my motorcycle with my wife out in the beauty of nature uh, and praying, but seeing people who just don't understand what's happening in Israel. But in Zechariah 12, wait, where's that? Zechariah 12. This is a prophetic chapter of the, of the end days of what is coming when when the Messiah of Israel will rule and reign from Jerusalem, not the Antichrist, but the true seed of David. But prior to that, 
This vision was given to a prophet, and in chapter 12, 1, he says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, says the Lord, which stretches forth the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people around about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. See, people want to say, oh, that's already been fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem, you know, in 70 AD. No, all the people of the earth will gather against Jerusalem. It will be a stone or a cup of trembling. It will be such a problematic thing. But here, let me tell you what the news isn't talking about, guys. I want to show you this article, okay? Because I don't care what you believe. I am an Orthodox Christian, and the one beautiful thing about Orthodoxy is there truly isn't a a huge consensus about the end of days and what that will look like. I do know this, that Father Seraphim Rose, who chapel, you know, I'm building to honor him as it was his influence that brought me into the church and the faith, believed that there would be a, a revival in Israel and, and of Jewish faith to some degree, Jews coming to the Jewish Messiah and that an Antichrist would rule and reign in Jerusalem, a real Antichrist, not a philosophical Antichrist. Not some, but, but the man of perdition. So in order for that to happen, because Jesus talks about, he came to the Jews and he said, you don't receive me and I come in my father's name, but there's one that that's going to come in his own name and him you're going to receive. See, I don't care what your philosophy is about about Israel or your eschatology about the end of days, whether you're a post-millennialist or pre-millennialist, but the things that are happening right now that's making Jerusalem a stone of stumbling around the whole earth is rooted around the third Jewish temple. See, and this is why I've told you all that I, I don't trust Trump because Trump is tied to these uh, Orthodox Jewish extremist that want to push all Muslims out of the land of Israel, even if that means by force, and they want to rebuild the third Jewish temple. And so you may say, well, I don't believe in that, and these aren't real Jews, and these Jews are Khazars, and, and they aren't the real children of Israel, and blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is they're going to build the third Jewish temple, no matter what you think about it. And the reason that the land of Israel is so inflamed in warfare right now is because of this. Let's go here. Whoop. Right here. Let me try to bring this in for you guys a little bit. Israeli police escorts nearly 1,500 Jewish settlers into the mosque. What, what mosque are they talking about? They're talking about the Dome of the Rock area, okay? 
And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Why can't I talk tonight? According to Islamic authority, 11, I don't know where they get this number, 1142 settlers entered the Al-Asqua Mosque through the gate, and then they talk about it, right? Okay, Jews have been forbidden on praying on this area because it is a holy Muslim site, right? But it is also the location of the second Jewish temple. And so this was just four days prior, okay, four days ago, that they entered into this mosque and they were praying, they were assaulting um, Arabs, they were spitting at people and telling uh, the Arabs that they wanted to kill them, that they wanted to remove them from the land. Um, yeah. Why is that important? Okay. Let's switch to this one. This is a good scripture that we need to repent. This is the only thing that's going to save America. This is important because this is what Hamas says was the final straw. This is why they said they flew their terrorists into the land of Israel and started butchering women and children and, and going you know, house to house because they don't see them as just non-combatants. They see them as military targets because they're colon, you know, colonialism. And that's what socialists are out there saying in New York City, in America, in Germany, all around the world, that, that they need to support the Palestinian people because Israel are colonizers. And I'm not even going to get into that. But the fact of the matter is that article, that event, see, Jerusalem is becoming a cup of trembling for the whole earth. So what's going to happen, did Jesus say? He says that the one that the Jews will receive that he, uh, according to Paul the Apostle, he is going to sit in the temple of God, declaring himself that he is God, which many believe that means there's going to be a third Jewish temple. And it is these settlers. Okay, you know when you see Jews praying at the wall in Israel, for those of you that don't know why that's important, that is right underneath that mosque. That is the retaining wall of the temple in Jerusalem that was destroyed in 70 AD after the Jewish rebellion um, that we would say as Christians was the judgment of God upon the nation of Israel that scattered them again into the nations because of their rejection of Christ, their rejection of God, and their persecution of the church that God destroyed them as a nation and scattered them. But that retaining wall still existed. And back after World War II, when Zionists and Jews began to uh, go into the land of Israel again, uh, and Arab countries attacked them over and over and over. They attacked them in 1948 when they declared that Israel was going to be another sovereign nation. They attacked them again in 1967. They attacked them in the 70s in the Yom Kippur War, which is almost at the exact same time they did this time. And each time they did that, Israel viciously defeated those Arab nations and expanded their borders. And here we have Israel. Whatever you think about who these people are, they are going to bring about the end of all things. And how you deal with this nation 
you better be careful because there's a lot of deception right now. There's a lot of deception right now. So anyways, don't get sucked in right now. Those of us who are Christians, we have one mission, one, and it is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to minister the sacraments to each other in the church through the priesthood. It is to spread the true faith. It is to witness the resurrection of Christ, the reality that Christ is risen to the entire lost and dying world, that Jews reject the Messiah just as much as Muslims do. And we have two groups that claim to serve the same God as we do as Christians, yet they're butchering each other. One is saying God is great while they're killing women and children. The other is putting their black box and flat trees and prayers and, and crying out to God, hyphenated God, as they go into battle against those evil Muslims. And you know, I am an Antiochian and our, our services are in Arabic and I am very ingrained with the Arabic speaking cultures in the Middle East as I worship with them and they are the ones that are caught in the middle. You know, I've seen Laura Loomer, she's so annoying and she was talking about how, you know, these terrorists are, are, are you know, viciously destroying churches and it's like, you know, Laura, churches were relatively safe under Muslim occupation. And I'm not saying it was an ideal circumstance, but those Middle Eastern churches were not destroyed until the United States of America and NATO started bombing their way across the Middle East. They they destroyed the Chaldean Iraqi church that actually had some level of favor from Saddam Hussein because he was a secularist. And he knew the Christians really weren't a threat to him as he, you know, went after the 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 radical Muslim population. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm just saying the church had an existence. Uh, same with under Gaddafi. Same as in Lebanon. Same as in Syria. The, the Syrian Christian church has been utterly ripped out of their land and destroyed. So, don't get into this America are the heroes side of things. Don't get into this. We need to defend Israel now. Now that the Ukraine hoax. Actually, I just saw this. Let me see if I can find it. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, yeah, let's check this out real quick. And we're going to get into. I just wanted to open with that because I've been praying about it a lot today. And it breaks my heart. There's some very graphic videos coming out from the Middle East. And the suffering there is immeasurable and it's tragic on both sides. And the one thing, this scripture that those of you that are watching this live or watching this video, this, this two Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people, which are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That is to any people who would cry out to God as a people and ask to be called by his name. 
and ask for him to intervene on their behalf. And you know, in the history of the world, there truly have only been two nations that from their inception, hey, watching from Australia, how's it going, Lawrence? Okay, good, good, good. My chat actually is word, but... Um, but and, and if anybody that's listening alive, you want to come on and you want to, you know, ask questions, feel free. But there are only two nations in the history of the world, and you can agree with this or not, but it's factual, that from their inception began binding themselves to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, and that was Israel and the United States of America. And if you think that's absurd, go look at the first presidential inauguration where, you know, granted Masonic George Washington and the Congress went into St. Paul's Chapel and bound themselves to God in a covenant with God that this nation would be a nation that would proclaim the gospel, that would be a people. If you read, you know, Democracy in America, de Tocqueville, when that Frenchman came to America, he said, there is no other people that know their God and know their Bible like the American people. John Adams said the Constitution. It was made for a moral and religious person. And when they were talking about religion, they weren't talking about Islam, you know. I think I've said this before on this show, but when I walked across this country protesting the Christian support of the war in Iraq... Something struck me that 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 truly, whether you believe America was a Christian nation or not, it was definitely a Christianized nation, and it was a nation. All of our universities were were started. You know, Harvard was started to propagate the gospel according to their charters. Go read the charters of some of these New England uh, original schools. And it was all about binding themselves to God and to creating Christian men in a Christian culture. So I walked across this country and I thought in every town, in every single town, any incorporation, there were two things. There was a Christian church of some sort, you know, of course it was, you know, a reformer or, you know, a Protestant or whatever, but it identified itself as Christian and a Masonic lodge. Those two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light were propagating across this country. And so in their Protestant fashion, uh, they did try to root America. And so I believe that because the, the leaders were a representative government and because they bound the people of America to the God of Israel, there is a tie and that we will be judged for our abandonment of Jesus Christ. And, and these world economic forms, Satanists, these Masons, they know this, they know this. And they want us to be judged. But this scripture, we should be praying this every day. Let's see, I have Antioch and Priest Uncle there. He is in the chaplaincy in the military. Yeah, that's got to be rough. One of my priests at uh, my parish is actually also uh, a chaplain. And, um, you know, the military is becoming so insane in America 
that it's it's hard to even be a chaplain. Do you ever ask yourself why there are chaplains in the military and why the Senate has a chaplain? They don't have a Senate imam. They don't have a Senate, you know, Buddhist priest. They have a Senate chaplain. And this is the only thing that will save you, America, is repentance. If you think Trump... Trump, who's tied to these hyper-religious Jews that want to build the third Jewish temple. If you think Trump, the same Trump that these same Jews were saying is King Cyrus, that he is the forerunner of the Moshiach, of the Jewish Messiah, which we know as Christians is not the Jewish Messiah. Any man that they enthrone and say, this is our Messiah, is going to it's going to be the Antichrist, obviously, because there is only one Jesus and he is enthroned in heaven at this time until he returns. Okay. And so just be careful, be careful, pray, watch fast, pray, watch fast. Great deception is going to be in the media, in your neighbors. Things are happening so fast. You can't even come in and and have some level of foundation to work with people in. Because as you're addressing one deception, whether it was Rona deception and the crimes that have been perpetuated that, that are killing people with what happened under Rona and the subsequent events or whether it's Ukraine and the lies surrounding that, or whatever, you know, our economy plummeting, Afghanistan and its withdrawal, there's going to be more and more chaos so that you can't even breathe, so that you can't even seem to, uh, everyone's going to be worked into this frenzy. And what it is doing, what it is doing, is it's sowing and preparing for the Antichrist to come in and bring peace and to help the Jews build that temple. So is Trump going to do that? Is he going to help them build the third Jewish temple? All of you Orthodox Christians that support him, why? We have no dog in this fight. But what we should be is the conscience of our nation wherever we are and to cry out this scripture. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. My name is Seraphim. And this is the Last Day's Emergency Broadcast. You can find us on Spotify, Pandora, Seraphim, Amelia Schwab on Facebook, or the Last Day's Emergency Broadcast on Facebook. If you just put in the at symbol and the Last Day's Emergency Broadcast, you should be able to find where we're broadcasting. We broadcast live between 7.30 and 8 Mountain Standard Time. Uh, it just depends when I can get on. Um so that you can join me, so you can ask questions, so you can challenge me, so you can tell me that I'm wrong, so that we can pray together, we can come in agreement, that we can learn to walk in this great deception in the right way. Let's uh, let's see here. What's going on? It's just madness. Here, I'm going to take you over to my Twitter at... Uh, last day's 2030 because you know the wef wants to get us all in pods eating bud bugs by 
2030. Where is it at? Oh, here we go. Okay, Laura Loomer, stay out of major cities. There's going to be massive terrorist attacks in cities over the next 14 months. This is according to Laura Loomer. We have been infiltrated. Our borders are open and the push to create a global Islamic caliphate has been activated. I'm sorry, Laura, it's not going to be a global caliphate. It's going to be a Jewish antichrist messiah that's coming. It's going to be from your people that are going to bring this forward, the nation of Israel, um, with these caliphates. If you just look at what's happening with the Abrahamic house in uh, Abu Dhabi or in the Middle East or Dubai, I don't remember where it's at right now, but it's that place where they have you know, this, this religious campus that has a synagogue and, and, you know, an, an Islamic worship center and a Christian temple, all that to show that we all serve the God of Abraham, that we're all just one people. Um, that's the new religion coming. I just want to do a little more pickup here. Let's see here. Um, Tortured and hurt and judged. All right. Let's see. Breaking news. Palestinian militant sent out a message with Israeli hostages. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I've seen so much propaganda that says it was videos from uh, them coming in and capturing children or hurting or shooting people that were complete lies. Some were from video games and people are eating this up. All right, let's see. Celebrations in Trudeau's Canada. All right, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing anything new that's happening right now. So what's the solution? That's what I put in the title, right? Feasting at the Lord's Supper. What is the solution for this chaos we see in this world for the war that's coming? for the instability that's going to continue to happen, whether Laura Loomer is right and there's you know Islamic attacks all over the world or not, we're going to know soon enough. Um, we need more John the Baptist. What, wrong way. We need more John the Baptist. We need more voices crying out in the wilderness, Behold your God, repent and be baptized. Enter the church. How is this world going to be saved? Through the Eucharist, through the church, through the body of Christ, through us loving both of these sides through these hostile times and the, the, the wreckage and the broken people that are devoured by this beast system, this military industrial complex beast system, this medical tyranny beast system. We're going to be there to comfort them and to give them hope in Christ our Lord. So I wanted to show you guys something. If you, um, you know, because ultimately, as I tell you, these broadcasts are because in my journey as a Christian, as an Orthodox seeker, I don't feel like I got catechism. I don't. You know, my priest ignored that process. I was very unprepared um, to even participate in worship. It was only through just my own wrestling and not giving up and not letting people and their rudeness to me and their and their own issues and sins push me out of the church. 
And as I began to understand the holy faith, the Orthodox Christian faith, and begin to worship in a manner that I felt was pleasing to God, that was historically tied to the apostles, that was uh, historically tied to the ancient way that Christians worshipped, uh, you know, my life began to flourish. And now I'm in seminary, and I want to share this information. I don't know how many of you even really understand what's going on in the church, um, because I didn't, right? I didn't understand. I didn't know what they were doing behind the iconostasis, all the beautiful symbology, even the iconostasis, right? We have the narthex, we have, you know, symbolic of the saints here on earth. We have the icons and all the saints in the church victorious, the, the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about surrounding us as we worship in liturgy and we meditate and pray on God as we prepare ourselves Christ. Here's, uh, I'm going to read this again. This is from Divine Liturgy. Divine Liturgy by uh, Nicholas Cabasilis. 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 And he's talking about the prothesis. Pro, pro See, before liturgy, there's actually a whole nother uh, service that's going on behind the conostasis. And it's called the prothesis, and it's how the priest prepares the holy bread, the bread dedicated to God, and does commemorations. He sits back there, and he takes pieces out of that bread, and he puts it in the chalice, and he prays and commemorates his bishops and priests and people in his life and people in the church. And so... In the beginning, talking about this service, because the prothesis happens before liturgy. Liturgy meaning the work of the people. Uh, Cabasilis says, The essential act in the celebration of the holy mysteries is the transformation of the elements into the divine body and blood. Its aim, why does this transformation happen? Why is the center of Christian worship the body and blood of Christ? It always has been. The West and Protestantism completely changed that. They took Christ and the Lamb and the real presence of Christ out of the mist, out of the middle, out of the center of the Christian worship experience and put in place of, of Christ himself the teaching and preaching of men sermons. That's what you get. You don't get Christ. You get, you get Calvinist doctrine. You get, you know, some of the Protestants understood and that's why Lutherans and Anglicans tried to keep communion as the center, but they were so wishy-washy and weak and severed from the vine that they've been completely overtaken by, by savages and pagans. And so but they at least understood that communion needed to be the center. So the essential act in the celebration of the holy mysteries, the central act of what we do as Christians when we go to the temple of God is to celebrate those holy mysteries. Why? Why? Because through the transformation of the elements into the divine body and blood, we are sanctified. The aim of liturgy is the sanctification of the faithful who through these mysteries receive the remission of their sins and the inheritance 
of the kingdom of heaven. And I, I tell you, Protestants get so vicious. So I put this quote up. I'm going to read you this quote. And um, I don't understand what's going on with my uh, Facebook advertising thing. But when I put up pictures and you click on it, it sends it to a phone number. And so sometimes if I post a picture and I comment on it while I'm studying, I'm like, wow, this is really powerful. Um, uh, they, they couldn't read the whole thing. So uh, these these Protestants were basically saying, I, I see that you're saying something about the mother of God. You're, you're a pagan. This is awful. This is evil. This is actually what what the quote said. It was actually pretty funny. But I was reading this about how we all become Theotokos, how through participating in the body and blood of Christ, that transformation, we become uh, Theotokos, God-bearers. But this is what got the Protestants all mad on my, my Facebook page. It said, Just as the Virgin Mary is not simply concerned with the worship of God on an intellectual level. That's Western Christianity. It's all rationality. It's all intellectual. It's all like biblical exegesis and chopping things up and trying to have the most, most sound apologetic will wreck your, you know, your arguments type of faith. And that's not even Christianity, even though we should have, we should have a defense apologia. We should be able to explain to people the hope that is in us. But Christianity is not information. It's revelation. So Mary didn't have it on an intellectual level, but through her absolute purity and obedience makes the word incarnate at the coming of the Holy Spirit and becomes the true mother of God. So also the fathers by their obedience and by receiving the spiritual illumination of the Holy Spirit become God bearers and express their lives and make known the word of God. They become truly theologians. You want to know what a true theologian is? A true theologian prays. A true theologian exudes the life of Christ and the supernatural. He is a window of heaven. He or she is an epistle of Christ written in human flesh. It is an experience. It is a revelation. It is an encounter. It is a communion. It is a, a merging of the divine, heavenly, and man, anthro, uh, anthropomorphic, anthro, I can't talk tonight, anthro, anthropomorphic, oh, why can't I talk, anthro, the anthropos, the God-man, the God-bearer. It's not about an intellectual argument. And that's why the, the world and atheists and, and all of their thrashing and raging, they cannot move someone that has encountered God. You cannot tell me that God does not exist. I see him in all things. You cannot tell me that God does not exist. He answers my prayers. I've been delivered from my sins. I've seen demonic foes vanquished. I've seen miracles. When you see these things over and over and over, when you see God interacting the energies of God with men and the earth, it stops being a coincidence. And when you have your inner man, your noose enlivened, and you can truly look upon the things of God and the heavenly kingdom, uh, 
What does somebody's argument even mean? It means nothing. So why am I talking so much about the Eucharist? Because we are in the DDK chapter 9. Now, remember, let's back up a little bit now that we're in chapter 9. We're trying to get through this. That our next books, if you want to, I would say this. There are two books I want to show before I go on. This Divine Liturgy, get this and read this. If you don't understand what's happening in the liturgy when you are out there praying, if you don't get the full picture, begin to learn the pieces Begin to learn what they are doing, the prayers that are saying it will make your experience so much richer. And then there's this book. This is one of my classes, but Come Let Us Worship by Father, um, very Reverend Patrick B. O'Grady. And I would say you can find videos of his on YouTube and he talks about the liturgy. And every time I, I see this father and I speak with him and he just lights up talking about liturgical truth and the mysteries of Christ and our transformation, it's, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. And those of you that don't come from a Eucharistic, a liturgical centered church, if you are so far away from the true vine, if you are so far away from, you know, ancient Christianity that you guys only do communion with your little paper cup and wafer as some symbolic weird action that means nothing. And you even let unbelievers come in and partake with you, which is completely insane. Uh, and completely not Christian and is completely something that was never, ever, 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 ever practiced even after 1500 years. You've been robbed. You've been robbed. And go get this book because Come Let Us Worship not only talks about, it's called A Practical Guide to the Divine Liturgy for Orthodox Laity. It talks about when you should cross. It talks about metanoia, when you should bow. It talks about when you shouldn't leave the church or when you can leave the church. You know, sometimes I see people in the church and everyone's crossing at different times and doing these different things. You can you see that mostly in like convert churches and, and everybody thinks that they don't understand that we're, we're not here to add anything to the liturgy. We're not here to put in our two cents. We're here to learn how the ancient Christians worshiped, why and what they told us to maintain and to guard and to pass on to the next generation. And that's what we do, right? And so after we get through the DDK, again, we're going to do the catechal um, lectures of St. Cyril of Jerusalem, we're going to go through the creed, the creed that at bare minimum, if you are a Christian or claim to be a Christian, you um, agree with this creed or, or you're not a Christian. You're not part of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And so this teaching of the 12 is, is showing you. Like this was sent out before the, the gospels were even completed from Jerusalem. They believe into Antioch, as I've said in other episodes that kind of put down the fundamentals of the faith. So let's look at that. Let's get to, oops, sorry about that. <laughs> let's get to the DDK because man, I've been going on for about an hour here now, but I'm really troubled about what's happening in Israel. I'm really troubled about the anti-Semitism I am seeing in, in various 
you know, converts. I know they're converts because those who are true Orthodox, they don't, they don't get in and get so harsh and mean and even get engaged in these political conversations because they're about the father's business. They're about developing their own spiritual life in a thesis. They're not out there just ranting constantly about, uh, irrelevant things on social media. And so there's these people that talk about, let's take back Constantinople and we're all chads and this and that. And it's like, man, just shut off your internet, go to Mount Athos, stay there for a couple months, learn to be quiet and just don't say anything anymore until you're actually baptized, catechized and rooted in the church because you guys are saying retarded things, anti-Semitic things. And I'm seeing all this. So I want to bring forward the true teaching of the church. And so I'm troubled right now, but not in the sense that I know that Christ is risen. And what I'm troubled about is that more now than ever, those of us who know Christ need to be out there speaking the truth, not going to the right or to the left, not getting engaged in all of these political battles because it's going to get worse. Okay. Chapter nine. So again, let me go back to this one. Um, and instruction for catechumens is what legacy legacy icons kind of breaks down these chapters, but they talk about concerning food. We've talked about things that we put in our body as Christianity 101 concerning baptism, the importance of baptism, of being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, whether it's in living water or so on and so forth, concerning fasting, that Christians fast, that Christianity is ascetic by nature, that we should be fasting, we should be buffeting our flesh, we should be practicing virtues, right? And this was after the chapters that outline what the way of life and the way of death looks like. The way of life is being liberated from our selfishness, our ego, our attachments to this world, our sin, our thievery, fornication, anger, pride, malice, fighting, political fighting, schisms, factions, and embracing the way of life, which is truth, peace, gentleness, kindness, giving alms to the poor, practicing the virtues, practicing ascesis, hezekiah, inner stillness. And so after talking the ways of life and death, we get into the practical things about the church and what the church should be about the business of doing until... Christ returns in this chapter, chapter nine, we are on concerning the Eucharist, concerning the Eucharist and Eucharist. What does that mean here? Let's just define it. We're going to go to Google definition Orthodox Church. The Eucharist, 
According to the Orthodox Faith, Volume 2, the Sacrament of the Eucharist is also called Holy Communion, since it is the mystical communion of men with God, with each other, and with all men and all things in Him through Christ and Spirit. Uh, why don't can I get this the definition? The Eucharist, it just it means Thanksgiving, I believe. Why are they gonna get all complicated here? Let's see. Thanksgiving. Yes. The very term Eucharist is derived from the Greek word, which means thanksgiving. This word is used in the New Testament in a way that recalls the Jewish blessings that proclaim, especially during a meal, God's work, creation, redemption, and sanctification, the Eucharist. So we are participating in the Eucharistic feast, the Thanksgiving feast that we are Preparing ourselves, right? Let's see here. As we said, uh, it's the celebration of the Holy Mysteries. But I read this other thing uh, I wanted to share with you real quick. Whoops. Let me see here. And he talks about, this is, uh, wait, that's right. Uh, nope, that is the right one. First of all, this is uh, in this book, Divine Liturgy, page 43, the liturgy of the catechumens, the work of the catechumens. The first part of the liturgy, the Eucharistic service is, well, what happened here? There we go. Is, is, um, The Liturgy of the Catechumens. Where is that? There we go. The Liturgy of the Catechumens. Catechumens, those who, who are being brought into the mysteries. So the first half of the church service, the ancient church service, was for everybody. It, you know, Now, in the original church, if you weren't baptized, you actually had to stand in the back of the church. You could not come into the main part of the church. You could stand back there and you could listen all the way up to the liturgy of the word where they would um, give the homily, the short homily, right? Because in ancient Christianity, the beginning is our preparation. It's our preparation to receive Christ. It's our repentance. It's a time of self-reflection. It's the time of meditating on Christ and his work and his resurrection and his first coming. You know, when they put the gospel and they come out from behind the iconostasis in, in, in the first entry in the liturgy, it's symbolic of Christ coming as the word of God, coming in the form of the word. But he says about the liturgy of the catechumens. But here's what's crazy, and we'll talk about it in a minute. First of all, every holy rite begins with the doxology. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Intercourse with God consists of thanksgiving, doxology, confession, and petition. That is 
the the core of the Christian worship experience in the temple of God. Thanksgiving, we're, we're telling God we're thankful for the things that he has done both in the past, in the future, in the present. Doxology, we're declaring truths about God. Glory be to God. Glory be to ev- forever. The great doxology, we sing it. Confession and petition, we declare that we are chief of sinners. We ask God for peace, for good times and, and, and abundant fruits of the earth. We, we pray for our city and for our country. We pray for the leaders of our country. We pray for the military. That is all in the service. And as you go through those things, if you're an Orthodox Christian and you go through those things, don't just, just, don't just speak them out as words that you're following as you're following the liturgical order, but put your heart and soul into those things. Because as we are preparing to receive Christ, we are communing with each other, with the world, and with God, like a holy trinity. And these prayers are us crying out every time we do a liturgy for the unbelieving world, right? And we confess our shortcomings. We ask God not to condemn us. See, and and for those of you who don't understand why communion is not for unbelievers. It's not for people who are moderate believers. It is for the faithful. The holy things are for the holy. Those churches, or I don't even, I don't even want to call them churches. Those Christian philosophical organizations, uh, otherwise known as Protestants or Evangelicals or Baptists, when they allow those who are not illuminated um they're they're if those sacraments were valid they would be hurting those people why they even read the scriptures where paul warns the corinthians that don't approach the body and blood of christ unworthily that people have died who have done that people have grown sick who have done that And so the whole first part of the church service and the order in that we do these things themselves declare theology. So the first part of the liturgy is the liturgy of the catechumen for those who are being illuminated. And then they say the doors, the doors. And in ancient times, after the liturgy of the catechumen, The doors were shut. You had to leave if you were under church discipline and you couldn't take communion. If you were not baptized, you no longer could be in the church. Now, they don't practice that anymore, which I think is a shame. I think it's part of our degeneration into worldly things because, you know, there should be church discipline. Those doors should be shut to people who aren't prepared and who aren't initiated into these mysteries for their own sake, for their own safety, for their own well-being. Not because we're better than them, but because they must be prepared as we must be prepared when we go in and do it. So it doesn't harm us, right? All right. 
So the teaching of the 12 concerning the Eucharist, what does it say? Now concerning the Eucharistic thanksgiving, give thanks in this way. First, as concerning the cup, we give you thanks, our Father, for the holy fine of your son David, which you made known to us through your son Jesus. Yours is the glory of ages of ages. Sit down, puppy. Then as regards to the broken bread, see, this was the center of the service. This was as the liturgy was developing. Now churches all over the world all celebrate the same liturgical structure. Usually it's the liturgy of, of St. John Chrysostom. But back here, they were trying to establish this pattern, this form under apostolic authority. Christ gave them the authority to do this. So he says, we give thanks, our Father, for the life. Where are we at here? We give you thanks, our Father, for the life and knowledge which you made known to us through your Son, Jesus. Yours is the glory unto ages of ages. As this broken bread was scattered upon the mountains and being gathered together became one, so may your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom, for yours is the glory and the power through Jesus Christ unto ages of ages. So they're showing different prayers as they did communion, how how to declare these doxologies, these things of God. So look at what they say. They say, let me get over here, right here. They said, do not let anyone eat or drink of this Eucharist who has not been baptized into the name of the Lord. For concerning this, the Lord has said, do not give holy things to the dogs. You may think that's mean, but this is how the apostles dealt with those who have not been initiated into the mysteries of Christ. You have no place. The holy things are for the holy you have no place in the temple of God. You can enter in for a moment. You can taste and see the beginning of the heavenly things. You can begin the process of illumination, but you are not to give the body and blood of Christ to those who are not baptized and who are not in the profession of faith. And after you have been filled, give thanks as follows. We give you thanks, Holy Father, for your holy name, which you have made to dwell in our hearts and for the knowledge and faith immortality, which you have made known unto us through your Son, Jesus, yours is the glory unto ages of ages. You, Almighty Master, created all things for your name's sake, and gave food and drink to men for their enjoyment, that they may give you thanks. And you have given us spiritual food and drink and eternal life through your Son, most of all, we give you thanks that you are powerful. Yours is the glory unto ages of ages. Remember, Lord, your church and deliver it from all evil and to perfect it in thy love. Gather it, the sanctified one, together from the four winds into your kingdom, which you have prepared for it. For yours is the power and the glory unto ages of ages. May grace come and may this world pass away. Hosanna to the Son of David. If any man is holy, let him come. If any man is not, let him repent. Maranatha, amen. But permit the prophets to offer thanksgiving as much as they desire. Meaning, don't interrupt the prophets.
there was a prophetic gift at this time. And we're going to talk about that at a, at a different time. But there you see the beginning structure of, of this. You know, when people say, well, I don't, I don't believe in organized religion. Um, hold on a second, guys. I got to let these dogs out. Oh, my German Shepherd, when she wants out, she lets you know. Tell you what. Oh, man, it's already halfway through 9 o'clock here. We're about to shut it down. But you see the beginning of the liturgy here. You begin to see the format that was forming. And you have these people say, well, I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I don't believe in organized religion. And that is not Christianity. We do have dogma. We do have doctrine. We do have theology. But the true Christian theology is that which enlivens us, transforms us. It's revelatory. It is the fragrance of God. It is the experience of God. It is not just an intellectual assent to facts. That's why James, you know, spoke in his epistle. You believe in God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. Just you saying that you believe in Jesus Christ, that he was raised from the dead, that he walked on the earth, that's nothing stunning. Even the demons believe. They're probably more orthodox than you are in the sense that they truly believe and understand these things. They know their time is short. They know the power of the Eucharistic feast. They know the power of church and how it can transform men, how it is a window into the things of heaven. It is a fount of immortality. It is the real presence of Christ in the earth. And that's why all these false doctrines try to pull you away from the church and pull you away from doctrine and make things all confusing because they're not there for your transformation and your sanctification. They're there to sow confusion. We are living in the hardest age of Christian history because for a thousand years, it was all one and heretics would pop up now and then and they would have to do councils and there were issues and there were problems, but they worshiped as one all over the entire earth. In the five main patriarchies, Rome, Alexandria, Jerusalem, Constantinople, Antioch. And then there were two. Rome broke off. They excommunicated the other four, otherwise known as the Great Schism, that some say Russia came in and took the place of Rome. The Pentarchy still survived in a sense because right previous to Rome departing and going their own way, leaving the church, Rome left the church. That's why I hate when people say, oh, these are Catholics. They are not Catholic in any way, shape, or form. They have left the Catholic Church, Catholic meaning universal, Catholic meaning what is believed by all 
everywhere. The true doctrine of the church, they departed from that. And some say, because in the 900s, Russia converted as a complete nation and became the fifth patriarchy again, in a sense, right? But then there were only two. There was only the Eastern and Western church, and you you would either be in one or the other. And that schism, there were still Orthodox people in Rome for a period of time. But then Rome, just a second. But then Rome and her children created the same error and they had the Reformation and they had the split. And then there were the Reformers, Rome and the Eastern Church. And then it just got worse and worse and worse until now. We have so many Christian philosophical cults that are not the church. They do not teach the true doctrine of the church. They do not teach historical Christianity. They have no apostolic continuum. They have nothing that really roots them in the first thousand years of Christian history. And this is what I'm going to challenge you in, because this is the only thing that's going to get us through in these last days to clearly understand where we need to plug in, where we get the facts from, where we get the truth from, which is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church is that if your church structure, if your pastor, if your system is not rooted in the first thousand years of Christian history, you are not attached to the church. And if your church teaches that for 1500 years, everybody was Catholic and the church had been lost for that time period. And that the very first beginning of church you know, the Holy Spirit was actually working and, and that was, you know, the formative period before we even had the gospel. That was the true church. And then all the way to the 1500s when the reformers uh, split away from the the Romans, then, then that too was the beginning of the true biblical church. And that for that whole 1500 year span, the gates of hell um, actually did endure. And the church was completely lost for a large majority of, of our history in that time frame. And that is absolute rubbish. It's absolute garbage. And it is not true. So if your church is not rooted in that first thousand years somehow, you're not attached to true, authentic, historical Christianity, period. You're not even anywhere near it. And if the apostles walked into your gathering, they would say, what, what kind of cult is this? This is not the church. Where is your bishop? You know, because the early church saying is no bishop, no church. All right, I'm going to read these last two as well. Concerning the ointment, then we're going to have to shut down for tonight. Concerning the ointment, meaning, you know, you would get chrismated. You would get anointed after baptism. You would get chrismated if you were sick. The elders would call you forward. Concerning the ointment, and concerning the ointment, give thanks as follows. So when people are chrismated, we give you thanks, our Father, for the fragrant ointment, which you have made known to us through your Son, Jesus. Yours is the glory unto ages of ages. Amen. The approved teacher, 9, 10, and 11 is the chapters we're on. Whoever comes and teaches you all these things that have been taught before, receive him. 
but the teacher himself turn but if the teacher himself turns aside and teaches a different doctrine that subverts what you have been taught before do not listen to him if his teaching fosters righteousness and the knowledge of the lord receive him as the lord and then we're going to talk about life in the community um that would actually be so we just went through chapter 9 10 um, 11, and we're halfway through 11, okay? So we'll get into chapter 11, 12 through 16. We're almost done with the DDK, and then we'll get into true catechesis, right? What it really means to be catechized, how the early church would prepare people before they got baptized, And so even in this teaching of the 12, they say, if somebody comes and they're trying to teach something different about baptism, about the Eucharist, about church life, and it's important, about dogma, about these things, about scripture, do not receive them. I'm sorry, Mormons, there is no other gospel of Jesus Christ. That is anathema. You guys were even warned that if an angel came and preached another gospel, that that they were to be accursed, and an angel came and preached to you another gospel, and you allowed these men to take on this apostolic role that was like some kind of weird, occultic, mystical lie to give themselves chief seats and power and authority, and you bought their lie. And you do get some level of blessing because I tell you what, I believe that AA works in some people's life because if you look at the structure of AA, it's it's a path of spirituality. It's a path of repentance. Um, you know, the, there's theological statements in the 12 steps. They say God as you understand him. So they are talking about the, you know, the Christian God in AA. And because they take some of that healing balm and it may not be the full thing, but it begins to work life in people's lives. So I'm not saying that outside of the Orthodox church that you haven't had encounters with God, that you haven't seen miracles or deliverances that you haven't seen spiritual warfare, but you don't have the fullness. You do not have the fullness of Christ. You cannot be deified in the way that God wants to sanctify and deify you and illuminate you in these mysteries and sustain you in these coming times of deception where Jesus said the deception will be so great that even the elect, if it were possible, those who are illuminated, even they would be deceived if it was possible. The only place you're going to be able to get truth is not from Infowars. It's not from X. It's not from legacy media. It's not from your neighbors or your friends. The only place you're going to be able to get rooted and grounded in the truth is the church, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. See, when I used to be a street preacher, my biggest problem I used to tell people is I'm out here preaching the gospel. I believe this gospel. I believe this is the truth of God. I saw Jesus Christ manifest in so many different miraculous ways because he is merciful and he is good and he is kind. And wherever we are at reaching out to God, even if we're in a 
pagan system, but we're truly reaching out to God. We're reaching out for truth. We're opening up ourselves into enlightenment that God will allow that to begin to happen, right? And I'd be out there preaching, but then I'd tell people, I'd be like, you know, I don't know where to take these people. When someone comes to me and they're broken and they're receiving the gospel, or maybe there's a healing, there was a miracle that would occur, then people would ask me, now what? What church is the true church? And I could not answer that for them. And as a matter of fact, even when I brought them to my own churches, I felt like I had to protect them from the people. See, the Orthodox faith, this is not so. Because it doesn't matter what's happening in Antioch, in Yerushalayim, in Russia, in Georgia, in Serbia, it does not, in Greece, it does not matter what's happening in those patriarchies, Constantinople, right now. Because we have a lineage that goes all the way back to this, the Didache, the teaching of the Twelve. We have early church writings that span a thousand years. We have the holy illumined uh, new philosophers like Simeon, the new theologian, all of the saints from every generation that were illuminated and that taught us the Philokalia, Philokalia, Philokalia. We have these things, Valam, Optina, Mount Athos. We have this fragrance that we can plug into, that the whole world could genuinely go to hell right now. There could be no priest or bishop, which this will never happen. God will have a testimony in the church of God always at all times. Even when the Antichrist is at the the crux, at the top of his power, there will be witnesses, two of them. Two of them that the world will kill and rejoice in and they will continue. They will be raised from the dead and they will continue to preach the true gospel. Angels will fly in the air and preach the true gospel. We will never be left without a witness. And and furthermore, the apostle Paul said that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So the darker it gets, the brighter we shine as the church. There is nothing hopeless. There is nothing hopeless in what is happening in the world right now. And so the place to plug into that truth is in the church. And this Eucharistic, this Thanksgiving feast and being baptized and putting on Christ. And as this scripture says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Glory be to God. Glory forever. There is a church. There is apostolic continuity. And so I just want to show you this. That's why we're going through the Didache right now. So I pray for Israel. Remember, come let us worship Father Patrick O'Grady. Great book. I am also... uh, All right. I am also continuing to encourage people to... Get this book on the reception of the heterodox. So, I have gotten 25 copies of this book. 
And as soon as I receive them, I'm going to start publicly giving them away. And I'm going to ask you to come on my show to um, tell me whether or not you agree or disagree with Father Peter Hears and if you've ever read this book. And if you want to read this book, if you want to go through and study the claims in this book, which if you're going to have an opinion about this book, you need to read it. If you haven't read it, your opinion is worthless and you should just shut your mouth, honestly, because all you're doing is regurgitating poison, lies, slander. And and I, I don't care where in the church you're coming from. If you have not read the book and you hold an opinion contrary, I'd say even if you hold an opinion supporting it, um, you're not being honest because you're just supporting it because you support Father Peter or because you support Orthodox ethos or you have some of your own opinions about baptism. But let's have an honest conversation about this book, about why it is important, how you are received in the church, about how this ecumenical antichrist system is going to try to bring people into the church so that those who aren't baptized can receive communion in the orthodox faith, which will be anathema. It will be blasphemy. It will be wrong, wrong, wrong. So, so far, uh, I've only managed to get to page 47 because I am a full-time student. I also work full-time. I do this podcast. Uh, I have a family, and so I'm. I have to focus on my school text. But I'm taking Hebrew right now. I'm taking Greek right now. I'm taking Byzantine chant right now, and it it consumes a lot of my time as I learn to sing and pray and read and learn about the liturgy, as I encourage all of you to do. And don't get sucked in by the negativity. Lord Jesus Christ, please join me in prayer, all of you, right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us, sinners, and save us, Lord. We pray for your Holy Spirit to illumine us, to guide us into all truth, as your promises state in your Holy Scripture. We pray that we would not be deceived by this darkness that's sweeping over the earth, that you would give us a heart of compassion where there are hearts that are just hardened that mock death and destruction, that you would keep our eyes from the graphic videos everywhere that are meant to dis- desensitize you, to, sh- to just quench your noose, to just put darkness and hatred in the heart of people. Lord, would you just protect us and establish us in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Give us the words to speak to this lost and dying world. We pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, the Arabic Christians, to all the Christians in the Middle East, that you would protect them, that they would be fearless, that they would be a witness, Lord, to the glory and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And that you would bring both Islam and the Jews to repentance, to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, the God of Israel, the Messiah of the God of Israel, to bow the knee, to repent of their evil deeds, of their lies, of their antichrist religions, and stop killing each other. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. If you guys want to get a hold of me, you can send me a message at the Last Days Emergency Broadcast on Facebook. Please, if you're listening to this. Um, and I, I'm, I'm getting, you know, on the Facebook, we're getting up into the tens and tens of thousands. I mean, we're getting sometimes 2,000 shares in some of the things that we're sharing. It's growing. It's snowballing. But help me with the message. If you're going to hit like, if you're going to like something, go to Buzzsprout and share the podcast. If If you don't know this, this is on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcast. Share it. Subscribe to it, right? Um, talk to me, send me messages. If you have questions, if you want to come on like Lawrence did and, uh, just be part of the conversation, I do have a chat room and, uh, I will, um, talk to you. I'll answer your questions. I'll respond unless you just come on and troll. Uh, but this is a live show. You don't just have to listen to it, but please go to, uh, my YouTube and and uh, which is uh, the last day's emergency broadcast and subscribe the more that i can keep doing this in in a full-time fashion the more i'm going to be able to get these things out to the world if i could broadcast every day you know what i would do i would read the holy fathers i would read the texts of the church i would give them flesh and understanding for all of you i would do it on a daily basis i wouldn't go out there and debate with people and cause schism and destruction i wouldn't just sit there and be a political show and talk about political things i would continue to bring these texts together and to bring you the foundation of the holy faith so that we can all be perfected, that we can all grow into the perfect man of Jesus Christ through our deification and have this community of fellowship. Because I know a lot of you, or I won't say a lot of you, but I know there are those of you out there that were like me and that you may still feel very alone in your church. You still may feel like you don't understand the Orthodox faith, that you're getting assaulted on every side by the different areas where Orthodoxy is being challenged, whether that's in its nationalism or in in its influx of converts where it's getting very difficult because there's not this deep-rooted catechesis that happens before they go out on the world and begin to do battle for the sake of the Orthodox Church and they become lopsided and get into pre-lest, which is deception, and start promoting things like, um, you know, monarchy and anti-Semitism and just ridiculous things that don't even matter, right? The monarchy's not coming back, guys. I hate to inform you. We're going to see a continued degeneration until there is a monarchy, but it will be the Antichrist, the Masonic Occultic forces have laid waste all governments and are coming for America and the rest of you. You hear my dog snoring? (laughs) That's loud. So go subscribe. I will continue to bring this information forward and to sound the alarm that Israel will be a stumbling block to the whole world. We are so close to the return of Jesus Christ, like like no possibility. We are in the hardest generation where just believing in Christ will make you a saint, as one of the Holy Fathers said, you know, 
That, that back in the days of the desert fathers, you had to go out and buffet your body and be an ascetic. And, and in that environment, that was how people truly became saints. But he said, in the last days, just maintaining your profession of faith in such a dark time, in such a time of great deception, will make saints. So thank you again. And... uh as I continue to get support, I'm going to build this up so we can get some more ways for you to help support financially. Then uh, I can do this more. And uh, hopefully one day I can do it full time. And uh, that'll be the center of my day to day is to continue and spread the fragrance of the Orthodox faith to the world in a new way in a way that's challenging this nihilistic antichrist system that is coming, in a way that's unapologetic about the dogma of the church, unapologetic about what needs to happen in this generation concerning repentance and baptism and the rejection of idolatry and false doctrines and sexual immorality and wickedness and sin in order to put on Christ and that we will just keep banging this gong until Jesus returns. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, and uh, I'll see you guys next week.